Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. And welcome, Simon, to an, another workplace event. Definitely not a party. As the question this week, I guess, is when is a party not a party? One for Sue Gray to solve. She hasn't caught up with us yet. Uh, no, no, we're um, but we don't seem to have a problem in defining when we're actually at parties or not. Um, excuse those of you who are watching the live stream and find that there's an erroneous black screen that seems to be a mystery person. There's not a mystery person. We know who the people are that are joining the podcast, and we'll have them on very shortly. So excuse that slight technical glitch. And I've actually hit the live button this time, so we're we are actually streaming live. Oh, this is so much better than last week. Well, that that was a low bar. So, uh, so Ian, who have we got coming on? Yeah, well, last year, and you know, those of you that followed our our punditry and the the hustings, uh, you know, the the probably the most seismic shock of the whole campaign was the phenomenon that was George Madgwick, uh, independent in Paul's Grove, who uh, you know took a very prominent stance and um, and seemed to energise a proportion of the electorate that traditionally didn't vote. So turnout shot up in Paul's Grove. Um, and, you know, it'd be fair to say that um, George overturned a, you know, a very significant Conservative lead to become the latest Paul's Grove councillor and the first independent elected to a Portsmouth since it's been a unitary authority. So, um, you know, hooray for George. Um, but it seems not satisfied with that. Um, there's a a new party has um, has been formed in. Well, we'll check with George. This actually, I guess, it is an official party, the Portsmouth Independence Party, and that's with a T S, not a C E. Um, yes. So there, are, I don't believe there is any desire um, to take Portsmouth out of the UK. But again, we can check. Um, and and yes, so we, we've got we've got no less than four guests on this evening's show. Yes. So along with George, he's joined with uh, joined by uh, three of his candidates for uh, for the upcoming May local elections. Um, and as I well click the button to welcome them in, into the room, um, we'll kind of um, inter um, introduce them in order. So along with George, we've got um, we've got Raymond Dent, who is the um, Portsmouth Independent Party candidate in Copna. Uh, we've got Lee Tyndall, who is the Portsmouth Independent candidate in East in Craneswater and sat with Raymond um, is um, is Mike Jerome, who is the Portsmouth Independent Party candidate in Cosham. So good evening and welcome, and thank you for <laughs> making the technology work. <laughs> good evening. Good evening. Hello. So oh, welcome, gentlemen, and uh, um, thank you all for coming along this evening. So. Um, I guess the first and most pressing question is, firstly, chance to introduce yourself, um, and what has uh, what has motivated you to to first stand in local politics, but secondly, as an independent. And we'll start. I'll pose that question to Lee first. Hello, I'm Lee Tyndall. So I'm going to be standing in the East Knee and Craneswater districts. Um, and I think the main thing is that having seen what George has been able to do as an independent um, and the, the things and the speed at which it's being able to do, 
is to hopefully bring that to to my area and um and make some changes at that local um level um and get things done really thank you lee so um raymond um pretty much the same really um so i've lived in portsmouth roughly about 60 odd years um and i've lived in cotton best part of that time um in the last 10 15 years it just seems nothing gets done um so it's about time someone actually stood up for the local people of Copner and try to get some more done for them um i say i've known george a long time um and what lucky is, man lucky uh, man uh, <laughs> yeah some was, some was one, but, you know what can we say um yeah pretty much he's done an amazing job in Ballsgrove in Port Solon um and I'd love to be able to do something very very similar to Cotman. perfect and, and finally Mike yeah well um a little bit of info uh, I'm a retired comedian I was a comic for over 50 years and I've been literally all over the world but in recent years I've, I've been retired now for what four or five years and uh uh, it gives me plenty of time actually to to actually do a proper job as being a counselor because I haven't seen George do what he does. Um, it's fantastic, so I hope to uh, emulate that. Perfect. I don't. I don't think this is your first outing, though, Mike. I think you've uh, you were. Uh, oh yes. You, know, you had a go last year, did you not? Yeah, as an independent last year, but without the uh, uh, the, the help really of George. Yeah, I mean, George is going to be such a fantastic help for us all because he's, um, well, he's a different generation to me, as you can see. Uh, and the energy is there, it's unbelievable. I've known his dad longer than him. <laughs> I thought you were about to say you were his dad at that point, Mike. That was, that was going to take a very peculiar turn, but no, thank no I, haven't a, I haven't got a bad back. Uh, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Okay, um, thank you all. So, um, so George, um, you won um, last year, as uh, as we said earlier on, uh, with that unprecedented uh, victory in um, in Paul's Grove, um, with a very which which is with what is fair to say a very strong personal brand. Um, what um, there's clearly only only one of you. How is it that your um, Sorry, I, I can hear someone chanting in the background. There's only one George Madrick. Sorry. Um, how how is it that your candidates can uh, can you know re replicate that that meteoric result? So just to remind uh, listeners, so George secured 49% of the votes um, in 2021 um, in uh, in Paul's Grove um, with a 12% uh, vote share lead um, over over the nearest rival, the Conservative candidate. Whereas the the previous year um the conservative candidate won with 37 percent of the vote um and an 11 percent uh lead over the kind of the, the next runner-up as it were which was the labor candidate so uh so quite a quite a massive kind of stake in the ground thing how how are they going to replicate how are they going to replicate you i mean fundamentally i know obviously i had an online presence and obviously a presence from my businesses but fundamentally the key point of of what our party want to do is elect local people and the thing is is that obviously i'm a local person that lives in paul's grove you know i was brought up in paul's grove and i think that that's that's really really important and like all the candidates that are standing for us they are connected to the area via living there or working there you know like lee our eastern cranesport candidate there he lives and owns a business in the area um Cop, uh, 
um, obviously Ray, as you heard, has lived in Copner for 40 years and works in Copner Ward as well. Um, our Baffins candidate lives in Baffins and has done forever. So I'll say fundamentally, all the candidates live or work or reside in the areas that they're standing for. And that's a really important thing. And also, obviously, as, as Mike mentioned then, um, you know, they've got my back end of what I did because I say well, I, I campaigned in a very abstract and different way to what the usual national parties do. And I'm not sure what part of that worked. Um, I'm not sure what was the magic ingredient of all that campaigning or which part of it worked. But one part of it did work. So we're basically replicating that same formula across the entire kind of areas that we're standing for. Um, but mainly as support, we've got a lot of boots on the grounds. We've got a lot of, there's a lot of disenfranchised people. You know, when we go out flyering, we go out as teams, as big units, we've got the people and that's that's different. You know, we can pull together 50 people to do a flyer drop for us. And that's something that's not really heard of in, in politics locally. Okay. Thank you. Most people that are drawn into politics tend, tend to find um, the group or the party that sort of suits their ideology best uh, and joins that party. Can I ask you kind of almost what what stopped you from doing that, um, you know, and, and why, why have you chosen that independent route? And can I ask that to Mike first, please? Yeah, certainly. Um, I was a member of the, uh, the Conservative Party last year. And uh, I decided to leave for two reasons. One was uh, uh, because of the way they treated the nurses uh, with their wages. I think that was disgraceful. And secondly, the way they treated one of their long-standing Tory councillors. Shall I mention his name? I don't think I should. Probably not. No. <laughs> they got rid of him without without him even him even knowing. And I thought that was totally outrageous. And backbiting and backstabbing to me is not the game. And that's why I left them. And that's uh, why I hung on to George and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do the actual work without backbiting each other. Thank you, Mike. Can I ask that question to Lee then? Uh, 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 did you have, a, have you had a natural political home or, or is this new approach something that's, that's, that's really sparked your interest? No, I think it's a it's a it's a new approach, and that's certainly sparked my interest, which is why I'm here. I think the, the biggest draw is the, the the ability to be able to operate as an independent and not have to sort of toe the party line of something that I'm not necessarily believing, and which is what to sort of when um, myself and George were talking about um, sort of running was um, I can have my own independent views. I can then have my area's independent views um, that haven't got any sort of hidden agenda on the bigger stage and that our decisions and our hopefully our our views can impact on local people um, because that's what it's about is is being the voice for the local people that is independent of anything that is bigger than than us and that's the biggest draw for me and what about yourself Raymond well I think Leo just said everything that I was gonna say basically um, <laughs> Cheers, Lee. Um, yeah, um, yeah. It's the local. The um, I've lived in Copner, say forty odd years. I think I've seen a local councillor once in forty years, um, which is outrageous. Um, it's wrong on lots of levels. Um, all I will say is, if I do get elected, then basically you'll see me 364 days of the year 
people of my age do need one day off a year. Christmas Day. Okay. I was going to ask what what which day was that going to be? You see, I, I had my money on the day after the elections having won. That was where uh, that was. No, 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 no. no, no. no. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, Ray. The day after the election, if you're still working, you're a better man than me because <laughs> everyone is on their feet on that day. Yeah. I'm working that. I'm working that day. Believe me. We don't get into bed till well. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I go straight to work. I'm in there at five. So, so yeah, you're a martyr to the cause. <laughs> okay. So would it, would it be? Would it be so would it be fair to say that uh, you know Raymond and Lee that that almost up until this point you would it be fair to say that you you don't feel you've had a political home? Um, I've voted a certain way uh, for many many years um, until George originally stood in as a MP, which was a few years ago now. Um, but apart from that, I have voted a certain way. Yeah. I won't say which way. Um, but literally, I think they're all much of a muchness. They all seem to have their own agenda. No one wants to get anything done. Um, they're all fighting against each other. Um, and as an independent, I can fight my corner. That's as simple as that. Are you softly? Yeah, yeah, I think I sort of second what Ray just said. Um, yeah, I've had a number of views in the past and sort of on years and um, policies, but it's got to nowhere if we have the opportunity to, as an independent, to voice the local people and get things done. Because as what's been mentioned already, if you can see people out and out and about and fighting the cause for the people. That live in those areas rather than just sitting behind a desk or or sitting in the shadows and not actually being out and, and making change which is what it is all about at local council level is we should be making change for the for the good and the, the better of all the people in the area brilliant thank you okay so um so I think there's some elements of that that I think we'll come back to with one of our later questions, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that one, um, how we expand out on that one. So thank you. Um, so local campaigning, you see, you see quite often with, uh, and you mentioned, Lee, that, you know, some quite often you don't see anything from any of the, uh, so you know, the quote-unquote established or the major parties. Uh, and that's sometimes because they're because uh, they're having to target their resources in particular areas. They don't actually really have a, have enough people or enough funds to uh, to leaflet or campaign really heavily in, in um, you know across all fourteen wards of the city. So so we'll we'll work on the proviso, George, that you're not going to reveal your entire campaign strategy as an as an exclusive to the to the Pompey Politics <laughs> podcast. But are you going for all fourteen, or or are you going to have to target? No, I mean, fundamentally, we are still in the first year of our um, creation, if you like. Um, and I think it would be incredibly foolish to stand in all 14. Um, funnily enough, we did have all 14 seats covered um, with a mixture of full candidates and paper candidates. Um, as you say, a lot of times you have to you have to target resources. Um, but we made a conscious decision instead of basically 
it's very important to me that whoever stands is the right person to stand. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. Um, I don't want to put paper candidates up is what I'm saying. So every candidate that we're putting up is putting up to win, is to putting up to fight. Um, so we have decided to stand for seven um, on, on this occasion. Probably in 2023, we'll go for more. But on this occasion, we're, we're going to keep our resources close. Um, and the, there's seven really good candidates, seven local candidates and seven candidates that can dedicate time and energy to winning this campaign. And that's fundamentally what we want to do. I think just to uh, just to help our listeners kind of follow on a, a paper candidate is where I'm usually an established political party. They'll have someone that literally registers as a candidate in that ward, but will do next to zero or if not even zero campaigning in that ward. Um, but that's just because actually some parties have um, it's actually part of their party's constitution that they put they field candidates in every ward or indeed constituency. Um, that's actually up for election. Um, so they were kind of required to do that. But there are also reasons about funding that they get from uh, from central government about um, you have to stand in a certain number of places within um, right. within council uh, council wards across the country to be able to um, secure some of that. So there are kind of background reasons for that. But fundamentally on the ground, that's why you might see him a name on the ballot paper, but you, you, you wouldn't even know who that person is. It could be literally, they could literally put, you know, Mickey Mouse as a name in there. Yeah, um, and you, but you'll you'll be more as likely to see them as you would uh, as you would any anybody. I mean, else. Would, would would you like to know what seats we are standing in? Because no one knows fully yet. Would you like to know? Oh, go on then. This is a Ooh. scoop. Ooh. So, <laughs> needless to say, Paul's Grove, obviously my home. We're obviously standing here, um, which is which is great. Um, and not that anybody, unless you live in Port Solent, you don't know this because that's the only place we've campaigned um, so far in the last week. Um, but my father is standing in Paul's Grove. So there'll be two of us horrible Madgwicks in the area um, if he um, becomes elected, which, as I say, is a little like what Stephen Morgan tried um, with his father. But hopefully we're more successful than how that went. We're also obviously standing in caution uh, with Michael. Um, we are going to be brave on this one, um, which is Drayton and Farlington, which is, as you know, the safest Tory seat in God's given earth. Um, as you said, I think one of you said before, you could pin a rose out on a donkey and they'd still win. Or something. I swear that was you, Simon, that said that before. <laughs> that, <laughs> so, that was Ian. That was Ian. No, and it wasn't a donkey. It was a tin of baked beans. It was a oh, tin of baked beans. Yeah, my, yeah. my we, metaphor was, gonna... a, was a tin. It was a Tesco trolley with a blue rosette. Yeah, yeah, the so, yeah. There's a lot of analogies, isn't there? Anyway, yeah, sorry, I've interrupted. Yeah, we're going to go for Drayton and Farlington as well. As I say, uh, Labour and Liberals, is, well, as you know, it's a Tory safe seat. So a lot of the national parties don't bother um, campaigning in that area because obviously it's not winnable realistically um, or not easily winnable. But needless to say, I took on Paul's Grove last year and that was a twist. So we are going to have a good fight at Drayton and Farlington. Um, we're standing in Hillsy as well. Um, we're standing in Baffins. Um, we're standing in Charlie Dickens. Um, so obviously, pretty much the north um, of the of the city, as well as Copner with Ray, and then Eastney and Craneswaters are only south. Are the only south seat we'll be sitting in this year. We did have a really, really good candidate actually for Nelson. Um, a really good candidate. Um, however, unfortunately, work will not allow him to stand. So hopefully, in twenty twenty three, he'll be back. But um, we shall see. But that's the that's the seven areas we're standing. In. Very, uh, uh, very interesting. That uh, ultimately five conservative um, seats, one currently Labour seat, or, or the other two seats currently held by independent. different independents. Yeah, yeah. 
The Charlie um, Dix is obviously usually Labour and Liberals usually take Baffins. But yeah, you're right. Two independents currently. So that's, that's quite interesting. But it also means that in May then, because there are there are two group leaders who are up for re-election. That's George Fielding in Central South Sea um, and um, Simon Bosher, the Conservative group leader in Drayton Farlington. So that makes that quite interesting. Yeah, quite, yeah. In, in, I mean, once once again, gone. No, just uh, interesting to digesting that the um, the again, you know that that we do a lot of uh, analysis prior to the and have already started our twenty two. Um, you know, we the 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 tightest seat is is Fratton, um, Central South Sea, obviously with George Fielding standing, and a couple of the Saints wards seemed. Um, when we were doing our predictions of where we thought you might target your efforts in terms of winnable seats, we we appear to have um, we appear to have taken a a very different kind of thought processes to yourself. Yeah, uh, well, I was I was under the same philosophy because I did exactly the same. Obviously, when when I was starting the party, I had a list of winnable seats, and it was, I mean, St Jude's was on that list. Um, Central Southsea was on that list as well. Um, so you are correct. Um, Fratton was once again on that list as well. Um, however, as I say, for me, it was about finding the right candidates fundamentally, the local candidates. I mean, don't get me wrong, if some random incredible person from central south you all of a sudden turns up and pops into my inbox and we'll we can relook at the situation but for me it was it was getting the right candidates for the right areas and as you guys know i've got um i do a lot of work in the north of the city so naturally it made sense to to kind of cover the north um as um as Ray mentioned before, I did stand in the general election in the north of the city. Um, I've owned a couple of businesses, all been in the north of the city. My entire family, other than like literally one, lives in the north of the city across like Cosham and Hillsey and Baffin. So for me, it's naturally drawn to that area. Um, and as I say, it's, it's much easier. I mean, for example, it's much easier to to target Cosham, for example, for with Michael, um, because we share a lot of borders, you know, like with women and stuff, we share borders and stuff. And, and what, what um, as I say, I don't want to do is is kind of go here, there, 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 um, because then we can obviously cross the borders and help each other. As I say, Easley and Cranesport is the exception to that rule because we found an incredible candidate in Lee that's, that's like a local businessman. He's a teacher, he's got a family, lives there, he works there. It's, he's a great candidate. Um, and and it fit and that's that's to say Eastern Cranesville was not one of the seats we we're going to stand in i think when i spoke to um a couple of the councillors a few months ago and they're asking where we stand in Eastern Cranesville was like not an area we were going to stand in um but to say we found the right candidate the right person um and decided to put the resources behind to hopefully let him win it um but as i say yeah it's i agree with you there is some seats there that are questionable that we should stand um and in 2023 we 100% we will be slate, uh, you know slating 14 candidates easily in 2023 but this year we don't want to run before we can walk thank you that's extremely insightful and thank you for sharing that on the podcast yeah so thank so you. if we look at the portsmouth independence it, it seems rather than being ideologically aligned um you know that there is more just this collective philosophy around being independent so i guess with, with you not being ideologically aligned how, how do those discussions work when you sort of come together as a group 
Well, th this is this is like the first question that we. Well, I, I don't know about the other guys, but one of the first questions that I definitely get when I first knock a door and people say, "Well, independence, how's that work?" There's, it's a general question that we get asked continuously, um, and there's a big misconception around it. I, I was quite, um, I was quite annoyed to see Jeanette Smith post a status a couple of weeks ago saying that ideologically we were too right wing for her to support us or stand for us because we did have a conversation with her about it and it was something that she potentially was going to do with us because ideologically me and Jeanette obviously don't see eye to eye on a national politics basis hmm. but fundamentally she's a great local councillor so you know she could have sat within our party quite easily because as you say we are free of tie I mean I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but we're going to be following the Bell principles. Um, and it's it, it's a principles that set out um, for independent candidates and groups across the country. Um, Ashfield Independence is one of the big success stories of, of, of that campaign. And same as the Isle of Wight guys and the Epsom Independence. And it basically means that we're uh, free from control of all like pressure groups, political parties. All the candidates will have no whip, which is the beauty of, of our party. Um, there is absolutely no whip. So... Lee could vote one way, I could vote another. Ray could vote one way, Mike could vote another. Um, and there'll be absolutely no disciplinary action for them disagreeing with the party because the party essentially are a unified group of independents that, that can work together and support each other and help each other. But essentially that's where it ends. People are allowed their own opinions with their own views um, and can vote however they want, which I'm sure you'll agree will make a full council really, really interesting because obviously if there's a divide and all of a sudden two of us vote one way and two of us vote another it could really make some interest in voting um but fundamentally the candidates are going to be working for their local community and that is the key point um there was a, a moment in full council the time before last um where a motion got put in and the motion passed which meant the overall vote changed and was obviously different and i won't name the party but the councillors will know exactly who it is one of the parties had to dash out the room quickly to make a phone call to see how they were meant to vote um and they come back in and got directions or somebody else who that was that gave them directions i don't know but they come back in and went right we've been told to vote this way vote this way i don't want that they, they, our candidates should be local supporting their local area and that should be fundamentally it and whatever works or benefits their area should be what is done and that is what makes us independent essentially but does that not become a double-edged sword, though, George? Because obviously you've been you've been very active on social media, and you've been very proactive in in your support for the people of Paulsgrove and Port Solon. Mm -hmm. And you, your agenda has been very clear, hasn't it? It's been I, I'm going to do what's best for Port Solent and Paulsgrove. Yeah. And I guess the challenge there is is when what's best for Port Solent and Paulsgrove, perhaps isn't what's best for Cosham, um, does that then bring you as a, you know, in, in a theoretical future, does that now bring you into conflict with Mike? I mean, potentially, potentially, but there's conflicts in all parties. I mean, you'll know too well, there's a massive split with the, within the Tory party locally, a huge split. There's like there isn't. two different complete parties in one, um, literally who argue with each other in council whilst they're talking off camera, you know, um, there's, and, and look at Labour. You've got complete socialist Corbynites and you've got the Blairites. There, there's splits in every party which don't agree with each other. We've even got some Liberal councils sitting at the Liberal councillors that were Brexiteers in a, in a massive Remain party, you know. So parties fundamentally do disagree with each other on fundamental issues. But we've got one common goal and that's community. So, of course, we're going to 
butt heads at some stages. Of course, we're going to disagree on on how we should vote or what we should do. But fundamentally, we all agree on one common goal that's to benefit our community. So if that means that once once in a blue moon, me and Mike have got to disagree, or once in a blue moon, me and Lee have got to disagree, then we'll disagree. And then at the end of the disagreement, we'll shake hands and carry on working together. Um, but we're ready for that. But that's, that's normal with any political party. That's, that's absolutely right. I mean, we just have friendly debate. And that's the way to go forward, not this uh, rabbiting away and, uh, and being moaning and groaning about the silliest little things. You know, it'd be absolutely friendly. Yeah. That's how we see it. Okay, well, we're disagreeing nicely is often something that we try to champion on the podcast. So um, that's also yeah. the Sorry? Oh. I don't know what happened there. I think we've yeah. gone. Was was that Lee speaking? Sorry, Lee, your your connection yeah, kind of dipped sorry, a bit. That, that's that's where all that's where we also, as as a group of individuals, support each other. But with that support, we challenge each other and can challenge each other to our different views. But at well, the end so. of the day, we have our independent views and the views of our areas that we're going to be we're going to be supporting or or putting their views, projecting their views across in council. Um, and that challenge makes us stronger as a group of individuals um, as we go forward. But it, it's a little supplementary question, but you, you brought it up, George. I think Raymond George. was just going to come in. Uh, oh, sorry, in there. I, really sorry. I, I turned the screen around so I could. Um, yeah, um, for myself, it was the fact that that was one of the first questions I asked George when he when we sort of was talking about it. That basically, if I disagreed with what he wanted to do, and vice versa, would there be a problem? And the answer I got was no. There's no problem. It's as simple as that. We have our own. We're looking after our own wards, our own people, um, and it doesn't make any difference whether George disagrees with me. He's quite entitled to do that. Whether Lee disagrees with what I want to do for Copner, don't have a problem with that either. I want to do the best for Copner. And what is best for Copner is what I want to do. Simple as that. Yeah, well said. Thank you, Raymond. So it's a little supplemental question, but you you brought it up, um, George. You know, J Jeanette Smith um, suggested that the Portsmouth independents were too right of centre in terms of of political stance um, for her to join. I, I know some of your your candidates. You know, have stood historically as UKIP candidates. Um, it appears five of the seven seats you're uh, you're targeting are, are conservative seats. Do, do you think her description of of you being a a broadly right of centre aligned party is is fair? Or, I mean, or, or do you feel the, misrepresented? The, the thing is, is is yes, it is unfair essentially um, because it's it's an uneducated opinion based on my previous backgrounds and obviously because i stood as ukip um you know once upon a time four years ago um people immediately target you with that brush but i mean if you remember back in the day we're only talking five years ago now UKIP got the third highest vote share in the country you know it, they weren't a bad party it's just that they eventually got the wrong people in the party which were very poisonous and very very bad people um and it brought down a reasonably respected party down to its knees because of the disgusting opinions of, of a of a very small minority of, of a party um and and fundamentally Fundamentally, that is that is terrible. And obviously, I left pretty shortly afterwards because something happened at the um, 
at the count that I was when I stood in Cosham and one of the party members of UKIP said something and I went absolutely ballistic um, and I just couldn't align myself with that disgusting behaviour. But what a lot of people don't realise um, is that I was a, a Liberal member, a Liberal Democrat member for four years um, before UKIP, you know, and and. You know, so my opinions have always been very, very broad and I'm a very centre person. Like I like to see all different, all different kind of angles of it. Um, but no, the makeup of the party is not centre right. I mean, for example, one party member might be might be a socialist, you know, on the far left and one might be on the right. And that's cool under our party. That's absolutely fine. We can be the party where you have got the Jeanette Smiths and the Lee Mason standing together because fundamentally they can be independent and have their own their own views. Um very interestingly, um, out of our membership that we've currently got, um, which is just under 100, which I think is pretty good um, as, a, as a starting point, um, we've actually got like a 60-40 swing on the more centre left to left side. Um, and we've got quite a lot of old Green Party members and a lot of old Labour, Labour ex-Labour members have been joining us by landslides uh, recently. Um, and we've also got, as you as you stated yourself, conservative members. I mean, Michael was a conservative member as well. Um, and we have obviously got some ex ex UKIP people. And one of our biggest supporters is actually a prospective parliamentary candidate for the Green Party locally, and he's one of our biggest supporters. So it's incredibly wrong to say that we're centre right because we don't have any national agenda. I mean, as individuals, as individuals, I'm sure we've all got opinions on mm. national stuff, but fundamentally, as councillors, we have no no impact on national agenda so it's irrelevant and that's why the beauty of it is, is Jeanette could have stood could have stood in our party she could she could have joined our party because she would have been free to do anything she wanted to do she would have been free to vote however she wanted she would have been free to do anything she wants but she would have got the support and the backing and the financial backing um and and we would have would have helped her win but um as i say we can be the party where your furthest right wing conservative member and your furthest left wing liberal member can join and we can all all be together as long as the only thing I asked for and the guys will agree to this is only one thing I said when when they joined. And that's they have to put community first and local stuff issues first over their national agenda. And that's the only thing I say is that if you've got a really strong national agenda, if you've got a really strong desire to become an MP or a member of parliament, we're probably not the party for you. But if you really care about local issues and local wards and local politics, then we're your home. And that council, even if there's councillors watching now that want to come over, come over. There'll be no whip. You can have, be completely free. Be lovely, wouldn't it? Imagine not having to to agree with all the other all the other all the other party members and what the boss says. Imagine being able to have your own opinion. It'd be crazy, wouldn't it? So uh, come on over. <laughs> well, that's that's a pitch and a half. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll open the door for the rush. <laughs> Yeah, we'll... there's a song. There's a song in that somewhere. Come on over to my place. I tell you what, if we end up winning five or six seats this year out of nowhere, I'm sure a few of them will cross the floor. We shall. We shall see. There's already been a few talks, but we'll see what happens. Watch this space, definitely. Okay, and we and we shall. So, um, so we keen interest. Where did we did? Uh, no, no, no. Where did we? Where did we get that? Where do we get six. to? We're at six. So, um, so some some wards are a really really close battle. Uh, I think we kind of alluded to this earlier on. Some of them are. It's really really tight. It's into the. You know, some of them are down to double digits, kind of um, tight. And some of them are yeah, not me funny like Drayton and Farlington. You can weigh the votes in Drayton and Farlington. It's you know don't have to bother to bloody count them, but. Um, 
so in, in that respect, um, do you think that there could be wards where rather than you, you might not win, but you might definitely change the results? Um, well, me, and me and Lee actually discussed this today because we were out mm -hmm. in um, Eastley and Cranes Water campaigning today. Mm -hmm. um, and we had this exact discussion, didn't we, Lee? Um, all our candidates are going to win, um, going out to fight to win, should I say. Um, we've got that mentality. And when I when I stood for Paulsgrove, um, I remember there was because back in the day before I was a councillor, the lovely conservatives used to come into my restaurants and eat. Funnily enough, they don't do that anymore, but they they used to. And um, and when they did, we always used to Is have that a question one closed. Yeah, I know. Right. All the conservatives left. Um, and <laughs> um, and um, no, we used to have a right joke and a laugh and, and things like that. And they always used to say to them, I'm going to win. And the conservative guys were like, you have not a chance in hell of beating us in Paul's Grove. But mentally, in my head, there was no room for failure. There was no room for second place. Um, so as we were discussing this with Lee today, he is going out to win Eastie and Crane's Water. There's no if, but, or maybes. There's no potential second place. He is going to go out and win it. And that's the mentality we've got to have. Um, and, and that's how we're doing it. I think... In respects of you saying about, you know, tight seats, I think, honestly, honestly, if I'm going to answer honestly, I think Baffins is probably going to be the most interesting one this year. Um, that, for me, is more oh, interesting yeah. than any seat because Jeanette's standing and she is going to take Liberal votes away. Um, you've got, uh, uh, obviously, there's no Liberal current candidate that's going up, so you've got a brand new face standing. Um, Labour probably aren't going to pull resources into Baffins because they're dedicating to St. Jude's and St. Thomas and Char Charlie Dix and things like that and Kosham. Um, and then obviously Conservatives are there as well. And then you've got us as well and probably Green Party are going to stand in Kosham this year. Uh, sorry, Baffins this year. So you've got potentially six or seven candidates running. And I think that is going to be a really interesting seat. So, so Baffins could be the city bum fight? I think that's going to be the... I, I mean, obviously, I think you alluded to Fratton. Fratton's going to... I mean, we're not in that race. So... Um, I think that's going to be really interesting because, as you know, um, I don't know if they've announced it yet, so maybe I should keep my mouth shut. But we've got some very interesting candidates standing in Fratton. Um, you'll be able to tell me, Simon and Ian, whether they've announced their candidates yet. But there's some very, very interesting candidates standing in Fratton. Um, so that will be a really interesting race to watch from the sidelines. Um, and to be fair, a lot of my uh, people that I know personally are standing in Fratton. So... Um, who said, yes, I am? Someone's just commented, yes, I am. So I'm assuming that's uh, one of the prospective candidates, maybe. Um, when, but no, yeah, Baffins. Baffins, yeah. honestly, I think Baffins could go any way this year. Uh, obviously, it's usually a Liberal safe seat. Um, and I think maybe it probably still will be. But because Darren Sanders is probably one of my favourite councillors. And I think he's a really, really, really good councillor. Um, and his reputation in baffins really follow you know carries them through um oh there you go we've got yes i'm standing i'm standing so that's somebody announcing um yes i'll just explain the way that we see the that we see the stream of comments is it doesn't actually always actually tell us who it is because of um because there's an ability for me to actually show those comments live on screen those the the, the identity of the commenter is masked out uh, by the system that we use so um so that's why so um so i'll have to find the stream of comment later on to identify who that is unless that person wants to put a put a comment up with their name thank you mr yeah. fuller um i thought it i thought it was 
Um, but I, I didn't I didn't know. I didn't think that Tom Coles had suddenly decided to follow the podcast, but you never know. He might be. This is the thing, isn't it, about Fratton, is that you've got Tom Coles, who's obviously a, a current councillor and a good one at that, and obviously a good local campaigner. Um, you've got Paul Sweeney, who's standing for Conservatives. Um, he's obviously ex-UKIP and was in UKIP and stood for UKIP God knows how many times. Really strong Brexiteer, which is great for Fratton. Um, and, and he's a local taxi driver, great person. And then you've got the legend that is Fuller, who is probably arguably the best Lord Mayor we've ever had in the city um, and is genuinely a good councillor. So it's going to be it's that that is where I'm going to be looking. But as I say, if we're discussing um, if we're discussing the races that we're involved in, I think Baffins, watch Baffins. That that okay. could literally go to us, Liberal, Labour or Conservative. I have no idea how that one's going to go, but I don't it, think it's going to be as straight as it normally is. No, it, it's going to be an interesting fight. So just to um, so last year we did uh, three or four local hustings virtually. Uh, Paul's Grove was one of the hustings that we that we did. Um, and this year we're, we're looking to do, um, we started off thinking about doing uh, doing the six most hotly contested wards. I think now we're looking at, at doing 10. So um, it all kind of, you know, it, we, we could be um, we could be convinced to do more, to be really honest. It all depends on whether we've got at least two candidates willing to actually do the hustings to make them obviously worthwhile uh, people in those wards uh, watching them. Um, so we've got some posts actually from our on our, our on our facebook page um asking people to comment on which wards they'd like to see there's some information there about results history for the last three years for those wards um but would it be unfair to put your candidates on the spot and ask them now whether if we covered those their wards they would want to they'd be want to take part with the with the virtual hustings there's a man who spent most of his career with a microphone in his hand. I, I didn't expect you to be shy in coming. From <laughs> um, okay, so um, and uh, sorry, Raymond, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, if you what your... That's something I will have seriously think about. Um, okay. It's a distinct possibility, shall we say? Okay, that's excellent. And Lee. I know we've put yeah, you on the spot. So I'm sorry, that's a, that's, that's a bit yeah. up. So, so just to let people know, we've had positive responses from about eight, seven, eight um, prospective candidates now um, from different wards in the city. But what I can say is that we've had positive responses from three candidates now in Eastie and Craneswater and from two candidates in Caution. So Amazing. Looks like you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And. and you know, again, we, we did them last year. It, it, it's it's really just about giving people an opportunity to, um, you know, to 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 get across what it is that they're about and and why people should vote for them. Well, I think and I, I, guess... I was gonna, I was going to sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say if you remember when I did my one for the first time, um, I think I said to you, Simon, didn't I, that I literally had three people message me afterwards saying that they weren't going to vote for me, and off the back of doing your hustings, they were. No, that calculated into like seven votes or something, and seven votes is seven votes, and then people obviously then talk amongst themselves and stuff. So you know, I actually got to vote off the back of doing your hustings. So, I, you know, I encourage everybody to do it, every candidate to do it. Well, that, that's you know, I, I was doing absolutely... podcast. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so... yeah. I was delighted about that, George. Absolutely over the moon. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. We had something there in. I thoroughly enjoyed them last year. I did indeed. Well, thank you. Good. well yeah, I mean, and especially in some of these places where um, where people probably won't hear, haven't heard from a candidate of any particular party. 
um, that, you know, this is maybe just a way in our own little humble way. And we're, we're not affiliated with any particular party. We're quite clear that Ian and I both have our political um, allegiances, but we don't bring them in, you know, we don't bring them into the show. We want everybody's views to be heard and every, everybody of what political parties or none to have a chance to speak and for people to, uh, for the voters and for listeners to actually get to hear them. So for us, the key thing is that that is a very, for us, that's a very important part of our democratic process in the, in the city because otherwise you probably won't hear from most of them no it's true and i, I my favorite thing is when ian tells me i'm wrong on, on statuses because when he tells me i'm wrong he always backs it up with facts and i'm not even being disingenuous here like what i hate is when people are keyboard warriors and say you're wrong and because you're an idiot but ian always backs it up with facts and it makes me question myself and that's annoying but like he's, um, <laughs> you guys are always very neutral and very fair which is which is very beneficial no, we do. We do try and be fair. And thank you for that, George. Uh, you know, it is a case of of you know we we've been doing this now, crumbs, nearly two years. Um, maybe more. It'll be, than our, two it'll years. be our third year but, in yeah, April. It'll be our third year in April, and and again, it's about trying to give people a platform. And uh, I, one of the questions I wanted to just pose a quick question to Lee there. Obviously, in Eastney and Craneswater, it's an interesting ward. Historically, it, it was blue. Um, Matt Winnington was the sitting candidate last time. I think it would be fair to say that in Craig Withy, the, the Labour candidate who we had on to the hustings, gave a very strong account of himself, saw his vote share increase, possibly taking votes from Matt Winnington's. Um, and, you know, as those two fought like ferrets in a bag, um, the Conservative candidate snuck along the railings to win the seat and take it back to blue. I guess in in ENC, you know, are you looking to to target one particular vote group or is is your philosophy like George's was last year, which is to to try and mobilize the disenfranchised voters of Eastney and Craneswater who kind of didn't really want to pick one of any of the existing three major parties? Obviously, not to give too much away in our, our strategy is um, it's a case of um, educating the voter. And like in any part of um, Portsmouth is to get people voting, because if they don't vote, they can't have their say. Um, mm. So across that, it's it's all about making sure that we educate the people of what I stand for, what we stand for as a party and how that works as the questions that we've been discussing. Because people do ask, oh, well, is it an independent party? How does that work? And the more we can get out there about what we are and what I stand for and how I can try and have an impact um, at the council level to be able to be get things done, really. Um, so with regards to sort of dodging your main question about what we're going to do, I'm, I won't be giving anything away in our strategy for that. Um, we will see in the, few, in the future months and coming up. Perfect. So it segues lovely into the next question, you know, which is, you know, you, you're, you've all been very clear that you're very much about your local area. Um, so if I can start with you, Lee, just as a continuation. So, you know, very briefly, what, what would you say to the people of Eastney and Craneswater uh, as to why they should vote for you rather than one of the other parties? I think a good example is, um, as George has already said, um, I've uh, been in the area um, for uh, a year, uh, lived in Cockney for a year and then came um, into Portsmouth, started a, a new business um, at the weekends, I run a, a coffee shop, uh, teach during the week. Um, and I think one of the situations was when um, 
meeting the customers, there was um, uh, a few ladies that wanted to start a community garden um, and they just hit so much red tape um, and so much sort of um, opposition with regards to the parties about, oh, well, that, that won't look good from us and things like that, that just basically things didn't get done. It, basically, the parties that are there were neutralizing each other out. So actually nothing really got done with regards to at community level. And these people were there, they just wanted uh, to start that community garden in a small little disused plot of land. So it's basically being a voice and a channel for the, the, the locals to be able to get things done, get their voices heard at the council level. Um, and a, a good example is the Aquila um, uh, power line. People's voices were heard. And the more we mm. can get that, the more change that we can actually have from that. Brilliant. Thank you, sir. Uh, and so, Raymond, for the for the people of Copner who maybe, you know, ha haven't seen uh, their councillor or their candidate, what what's what's Raymond going to bring them that's different, and what are the key issues um, for Copner that you see? There's there's a few bits and pieces that uh, could do with sorting out in Copner, um, and I'm going to be quite coy on this one because I don't want to put it out there um, because just in case. Um, God. No. Okay. Okay. College Park is an absolute bloody disgrace. Excuse my French. Um, That's all right. Nothing's been done. Uh, the walkways have got more holes in it you can shake a stick at. Um, during the autumn, early part of the autumn, if you walk down any of the walkways, it was literally six inches deep in leaves. It was, and it had rained. Um, and at least I know for a fact two people slipped on it. Um, things like this. It's it's simple little things that need mm. to be sorted. Um, I've also found out recently, very, very recently, that the, I think it's called the North End Pantry, uh, which is like a food bank, is closed on April the 1st. Um, and in the current climate, I think that's a disgrace that it's got to close. I don't know the reason behind it yet. I'm going to see someone down there next week uh, to see if I can find out a bit more information on why it's closing and if there's anything that we can do to keep it open. Um, because the way things are going, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be struggling to put food on the table for their kids. Um, other things I want to do, I think in Copner, and I think it's across Portsmouth, um, the young members of society, um, seem to be sort of wandering the streets rather than actually in somewhere places to go i might oh yeah i'd like to look into that see if we can actually find something for them to where they can go uh off the streets things like that um and that's and apart from that really what the people of Copner want me to do um i will be asking if i get in i will be asking those questions um because at the end of the day they're the people i'm representing I'd like to get their views on what they want me to do. Brilliant. Thank you, Raymond. And Mike, it's your chance now to pitch to two genuine voters of the Caution Wall. <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be candid with you. <laughs> your chances are a bit slender, but, um, but, you know, you don't strike me as a man that um, shies away from a challenge. No, no. So, so what are you What are you going to offer to the people of Caution? Oh, my 100% attention to everything that goes on in Cosm, not Caution, Cosm. That's the local word, isn't it? <laughs> That's how it's uh, now, you know, I give 
I'm, I'm a great believer in free speech, obviously, and I don't like the wokeness of things that are going on, but you have to listen sometimes to things like that. And, and I would give it all my energy to uh, try and sort things out in, the, in, a, in a proper way, not in a, oh, I'll do this and don't bother doing anything about it. I would actually stick my head down and go for it in every single way. And, uh, and the one thing I don't like more than anything else is unfairness. Unfairness does me up like a kipper. I tell you now because uh, it's laughing. But, but a few years ago, when I was standing there, a lady came up to me and she was uh, one eye, bless her. Uh, she could hardly speak, and she was talking and said, "I can't get into my. Uh, I've been I'm being bumped off the housing list." And I said, "What's that for?" She said, "Well, I'm. Oh, I don't want to sound racist or anything like that, but it was went to uh, a different person that got straight to the top of the list rather than." Uh, uh, keeping in, in line, if you know what I mean. I, I just, if, if, you, if you've worked your way to the top of the list, that's where you should stay until you get your houses or your accommodation. So that really winds me up in a big way. So um, let's hope that we can do something about that. Marvellous. Thank you, Mike. Okay. okay. So. Um, <laughs> sorry? You want an encore? Typical, <laughs> typical uh, comedian. Um, right. So, uh, so George. So, uh, um, moving on to our, our next question. So, George very publicly committed to gift his uh, his expenses or allowance, I think is is the correct term, uh, to the people of Paul's Grove and Port Solent to use for community projects there, and he's um, made uh, made that quite clearly visual as to as to what he's used that to use that for. Um, so do you is George is that something you would encourage others to follow suit um, and is it an unintended consequence of uh, of people feeling that that's actually something that, that candidates are pressure pressure to do whether in whether in your group or, or others and that that might actually no. discourage candidates from lower paid backgrounds that that can't afford to do that what what, what are your thoughts not at all not at, in the slightest I mean I I, I think you guys know I came from nothing. You know, it's only ten years ago now. I was I was homeless myself and didn't have a pot to piss in, literally. Um, and I struggled dramatically. And now I'm in a really fortunate position where I'm very comfortable and I've got multiple revenues of income. And you know, and I'm doing really well for myself. Um, so I'm in a really fortunate position where I can work on being a counsellor almost full time um, and not need the financial money that comes with it. Um, so for me, ideologically, it's the council taxpayers money to begin with that they're paying me. Um, and I'm just redistributing it back to my constituents and um, because simply I don't need it. And I'm in a really, really fortunate position not to do that. And as you stated, I've done some really good things with it, which wouldn't have been done. Like I paid for 80 children in Poolsgrove to go to boxing classes over the summer um, during the school holidays. And we've donated to a local um, cat charity, which uh, rehomes cats. And we've done lots of different bits and stuff in the area with the money so far. And that's that's great for, for Poolsgrove. Um, but I do not expect that from any councillor, be it our party or conservatives or liberals or greens or labor i do not expect it from anybody because as you quite rightly say some people um need the money to to survive and to do their councillor work so as i say for me i think it's it's just because i'm in a very very fortunate and very gifted position to be able to do that um 
but no, I do not expect that of any of our, our members or anybody that gets elected for us. And I don't expect it from any other party's members either. Um, and I don't think it should be an expectation at all. I think if if councillors wish to do something with that money that, that, that will benefit their community, then so be it. The only slight gripe I have with it is that it's defined as an expense, not as a as a as a, as a salary or as a pay packet, and that 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 confuses me. And I've gone into the council a few times and asked their accounts department how this works, because as councillors we get a pay slip, and as councillors we pay tax and national insurance contributions on that income. Um, obviously, unless we're under the threshold and so on and so forth. Um, but we're not entitled to pension. We're not entitled to sick pay. We're not entitled to blah, 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 and all these other employee rights. So I think it's a really, really weird situation. But that's my only gripe on it. But I would never expect, um, no, never expect any of my candidates to do it. If they choose to spend some of that money on doing something, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. Yes, um, I, I, agree. I agree with George. I wouldn't uh, personally uh, put it out of my uh, expenses or whatever they call it. But if I got onto a committee and got paid for that, i.e. £100 a year or whatever it may be, uh, I would then be happy to uh, do something with it for the local community. With the money I've left out, the net money I got from that. Yeah. Okay. Is that one that any of, the, any of the others wanted to come in on at all? Again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. It's just if you had any thoughts on it. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with George. Um, it would be my decision. I have a few things that I think that I'd like to help with, uh, and that money would be very useful to do that with it. Um, I can't say that I'll be donating to a cat charity, but um, I'm very sports orientated, oh, so my would be looking at maybe getting maybe children of that can't afford to go and try a sport um, to try one, but they can't afford it um, and pay for them to actually do that. But that's something that I'm looking to look, would look to do. Uh, but that's a personal thing for me. Um, you never know. Um, me putting three, 400 quid so someone can actually go and do a course on football, badminton, basketball, whatever it may be. You never know one day that person may end up playing for Pompey. I feel sorry for them if they do. Um, Boy. Or be, <laughs> they may be representing our country at the Olympics because I do believe that every child has got an, an, an ability to be very good at sport, but they don't know what sport it is. So trying different sports is something that I would be into. Okay, well, well, good luck with trying to get elected in this city besmirching Portsmouth Football Club. I think it's many moons ago. I signed as an associate schoolboy for, for, at uh, Fratton Park, and uh, I have got nothing but admiration for the, the club. I've followed them since day one since I moved to Portsmouth, um, and I came from a, an area that I supported Charlton because of my family. Um, and the last game I saw at the Valley was Portsmouth versus Charlton and supported Charlton. The next game I went to was Portsmouth versus Charlton at Fratton Park and supported Pompey. Okay. You've done well there. Um, Lee, did you have yeah, that one, I? Well, I'll, I'll, um, I'll save Raymond from trying to dig his way out of that one. And, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll save him. Yeah. Someone's got to be. 
Um, okay. Incidentally, I don't we, have we found we found the one the issue? There is a party yeah, line. So Lee, sorry, did you have anything to come back on on that question? Sorry. Yeah, yeah I think it's very situational specific. Um, I think the key thing is that there it creates an opportunity to be able to make good with the resources that are there. And they say it's um, it would be very specific to a situation or a need of the the, the, the sort of the ward or, or that time and that moment as well. Perfect. I think just just jumping in, I think also what people need to realise is that sometimes time is more important than money um, and what the councillor's expenses or salary, whatever you want to call it, allows them to do is dedicate some of their time to the local community. So, you know, that's what you've also got to consider as well, is that, that as you say, some of our councillors literally rely on that £12,000 to to stay afloat. And, and without that, they couldn't be a councillor. And then that, in, in turn, means that they have time to dedicate to their community. So sometimes, I say, time is much more important than money, and a lot of the times it is. And, you know, that's what it gives the ability for councillors to do, is to get, to to give their time to their community. So, as I say, it's, it's, it's quite an important thing. Perfect. And a perfect segue into time. It is time, gentlemen. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris, and our guests have been Mike Jerome. George Madwick. <laughs> Mike Jerome. <laughs> Raymond Bing. <laughs> Mike, Mike Jerome so good they named him twice <laughs> so uh, just in case anybody didn't catch that so our, our guests have been George Madrick, Mike Jerome uh, Raymond Dent and, and Lee Tyndall and I've been Simon Sansbury. Uh, please do join us uh, next week where we're hoping to actually um, go abroad a little bit no I'm not really that far across um, the border. we're going across the border um, so we're going to have on um, some 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 councillors from Haven Borough Council to talk to us about what the challenges are there uh, and to um, and to have a chat with us about what's different in them not being a unit unity authority and, and how things work for them so please uh, do join us uh, do join us next week uh, we'll be here 627 um, live on Facebook YouTube and Twitter um, or you can catch us up later um, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>